This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Tonight we have a friend of mine, Jeff. Uh, I don't know much about you, Jeff, but except for a little glimpse that you kind of gave me and that stuck with me when you we were talking one day about you sharing your story somewhere, right? Yeah, I yeah. used to do that a lot. Did you? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so uh, when I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with Burkitt's lymphoma. What's that? Uh, it's a non-Hodgkin's cancer. Uh, it's one of the rarest forms you can actually get. Oh, Jesus. So one in 30 million people actually get it, and it mainly attacks males between the ages of 12 and 24. Really? Yeah, I was 12. <laughs> so you're like right on the cusp. Man. Yeah, I was diagnosed January 24th, no, January 28th, 2004. Mm-hmm. And that started a, a really, that's where all my, my problems started from. Mm-hmm was after that before before that as a kid i was like a happy go lucky mm-hmm. i always saw the positive always wanted people to win i didn't care if i lost it was never a big win for me it was more about their enjoyment um and then as that era of my life blossomed i became very angry and bitter to the world and hated hated everything that represented life because yeah. i watched countless kids pass away you'd wake up in the hospital and there's another Another one gone. Oh, uh, Jesus, man. So I woke up one morning. Uh, it was a six-month baby. He was done. Wow. Just checked out, and his mom was crying, and the and nurses. And you were twelve, was doing all this. Yeah. So Good yeah, word, it was uh, it was six months of the worst time of my life. Was that while you were getting chemo? Yeah. yeah. So if they didn't kill him in six months, I was dead. Yeah. So the year that actually I had cancer, there was a big uh, group of oncologists that get together. Uh, down the states so i was just super lucky that my year was that year um, my doctor took the case down with him and then from there they just all kind of brainstormed i yeah. uh, got uh i got a crap load of chemotherapy i got adult doses yeah. in order to kill it because i was losing uh, i was told i had less than one percent chance of surviving so that's the survival <clears throat> rate of that uh yeah the survival rate is uh, extremely low um if they don't get on top of it you're you're dead it triples its population every 18 to 24 hours so i had uh three clusters like grape like clusters on my bowel spleen liver and i had been what they said fighting that for about a year prior Fuck, dude yeah so that was that was you're my wake-up call uh i don't i don't think i'm tough um i think i've been gifted with the ability to overcome adversity mm-hmm. 
and and see the ray of sunshine in the dark times. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't really realize that until I was probably about 19 when uh, a guy named Joe, uh, Joe Nasita came into my life and he helped me sober up for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, got off drugs, worked in his body shop for five years, uh, got my journeyman certificate as an auto body technician, mm-hmm. did that. Uh, I used to love cars, and then after doing panel beating for eight years, it, it, I, I can't stand to look at a car. Oh, yeah? I see a car, and I see four wheels and an engine now, whereas yeah. before I used to I used to dream about designing cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, not really something I really ever want to do anymore is look at really? a car. Yeah. So working on cars just kind of finished it off for you? Yeah. So it could have just been the uh, the collision repair and, like, mm-hmm. the mundaneness of it's another job, but it's they're all hunks of rubber underneath they Mm -hmm. fall apart um they're designed to collapse and they're designed to cost money so you have to replace them whereas like back in the 50s 60s 70s they made vehicles that were supposed to last you know Mm -hmm. 30 years now some of them are still around most of them are if you take care of them those things will those things will go forever you can get a million miles on these new ones you're lucky if you can get five yeah so yeah like five hundred thousand. yeah five hundred thousand. yeah um you're you're super lucky like and dealerships don't want to warranty their parts anymore. They just want you to pay. Uh, the big corporations will do whatever they can to pass you off. Like I just finished dealing with Hyundai. They told me snow caused my catalytic converter to fail. I laughed so hard. So that was funny. Um, how, does, how did they explain that away though? How did they tell you snow could impact the... <laughs> I slid out and snow um, got clogged in the catalytic converter. I'm like, it's a closed off part, so that doesn't make any scientific sense. Wow. Right, and like yeah. having a bit of background with cars, like I mm-hmm. just fed up, so I took it to a buddy and he fixed it up for me nicely. That only cost me half of what they were looking yeah. for. Actually a third. They wanted 15, I ended up getting away with uh, 200. Oh, that's pretty good. So yeah, yeah. so that was, that was, that was stellar. Um, but my life story, uh, yeah, when I was 12, it, that's when it took the, uh, that's when it took a really big turn. So growing up, um, I grew up with seven brothers and sisters. So I have two brothers. I have five sisters. Um, we were always at war with each other uh, constantly. And I always tried to be the peacemaker, the peacekeeper until post-chemotherapy. Um, but our, our dad, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about him. He, he did what he was taught. He was taught, he was raised by a very abusive um, military man who, he had to jump out of a second story window. He broke his legs mm-hmm. when he was a youngster. Um, so when my dad got angry and he wanted to solve a problem, he used aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we all grew up in fear of him and we, we stepped out of line, just that hair, we, mm-hmm. we felt it. Um, so there's a lot of inner turmoil amongst their family because of that. So the family started like trying to figure out who was the, the biggest dog mm-hmm. out of the siblings. And my mom, God, God love her. She's an angel. I don't know how she did it. Uh, she's still married to the guy. Um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, we were just a, we were a chaotic group of human beings and mm-hmm. a lot of turmoil, a lot of fights. And that was, that was growing up in the Eden household. Um, wouldn't change it though because it made me who I am. Mm-hmm. It gave me the ability to push through adversity. 
um, after chemotherapy, I got very angry. My mom told me one time, she's like, you're not the same boy I put in the hospital. You're a different person. And I didn't understand that at the time. It's taken me a long, a long road to understand what she meant. Um, but after chemotherapy, I, when I was declared in remission on June 26, 2004, I, uh, I went, I went and I looked for death. Uh, I was diagnosed with survivor's guilt, mm -hmm. um, post-traumatic stress disorder, and severe depression. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of understandable, really. Like, I felt bad for a long time for for me living. Mm -hmm. When I like when you'd see kids who had so much more life in their eyes, and mm -hmm. they were the ones that passed away. Like one uh, one that really sticks with me to this day. His name was James. Um, he died at eleven. It took six weeks for him to die. So he was declared in remission. Two weeks later, he relapsed. Two weeks later, he caught a bed fungus. Two weeks later, he died. Yeah. He choked on his own vomit. He was a really good friend of mine at that time. And at that moment, my emotions shut off. So I couldn't regulate empathy. Uh, I couldn't regulate compassion. All I felt was anger. And I lashed out at anything and everyone that got in my path. I went toe to toe. First fight I ever got into, got my nose broken. Started stealing cars, started smoking, started using um, pot and then lacing it with angel dust, just trying to get, just trying to run away from the pain. And then started with cocaine, and then went down the rabbit hole of all the fun little bugs that are sitting there waiting for you um, in that lovely world. Um, at uh, at fifteen. I was I was removed from my house um, by child services and uh, Calgary police. Uh, me and my dad had gotten to our final altercation. Um, he's six foot two, weighing about two hundred and sixty pounds this time. He's uh, active reservist, uh, captain in the Canadian Armed Forces, um, and I I had run away because I just couldn't deal with that. And I was couch surfing and I just hanging out with people who. I thought were my friends, mm -hmm. but you know, really when you're that age and you're in that world, you're just jailbait, mm -hmm. right? And if you don't see that you're jailbait, I'm, I'm really sorry, mm -hmm. but hopefully, hopefully you wake up one day and realize it. So I said something, crossed the line and he dropped down to my height and I was four foot eight until I was 17. Mm -hmm. So he came down from six, two to four foot eight and he gave everything he had right into my sternum and he cracked it. And I was I was gasping for air, and then I was on the floor, and I saw him line up for another shot, and I was just ready to take it. And then my mom stepped in the middle and said, "Stop it!" And his fist was still coming. And at that moment, I I lost it. I lost control. It's one of the few times I've I've blacked out. Like everything just goes red. You know what I mean? I don't really know what that's called, but. I stood up, I picked him up, and I slammed him into the floor, and I just started going to town. Mm -hmm. I ended up with a broken finger and a cracked sternum and smashed the living shit out of his elbow. Couldn't use it. Mm -hmm. That was my only goal, is to stop that hand from being able to work. Yeah. So I did that. Um, then I took off again. And then when I sh finally showed up at school, um, I was taken into custody, um, and then 
At that time, I also had a probation officer for a stolen car. I had planned on leaving Calgary and driving to BC, the only place I actually knew other than uh, Calgary, and just figuring shit out as I went, a yeah. part of my language. No, you can swear, man. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> so that was that was my plan. And so luckily, I had a probation officer, so I told her what had happened. Um, and the police officers came. They arrested me. They put me in the back of the, the van, and then they proceeded to interview each one of my family members. Um, and in, in the, the household I grew up in, if you did not agree or side with my dad, there was consequences. So I looked like the, I looked like the problem child who was lashing out and just couldn't be controlled. In retrospect, I was lashing out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had cracked my sister over the head with a cell phone and caused her to get stitches once. Um, my little sister, um, at one point, um, like I feel internally bad for that and I always will. Um, but yeah, so I was arrested. I was taken to Foothills Hospital and I was admitted to Unit 27 for the mentally unstable adolescence. Um, and while I was there, I had to go through the, the whole evaluation process on seeing if I was deemed eligible to be released at one point. Um, and if so, how was I going to be released? Because I wasn't allowed to go back home. Um, and at that point, I had a sister who stepped up uh, and offered to to be my guardian. Um, but she was going through her own demons. She was a, a drug addict at the time and an alcoholic very heavy um so the money that we got from uh social services was like seven eight hundred bucks i never saw a dollar was supposed to like help me get laptops and like bus passes and stuff and that never happened so she would drink it and snort it and whatever you can imagine um god love her though i mean she's still messed up to this day as far as i'm aware but you know i got nothing but the best hopes for her um so She's a she's a good human being. She's just lost, right? Some people can't find their way back. That tunnel's pretty deep. <clears throat> so at that point, I was released into her custody, and we moved around a lot. Um, and it was just it, it honestly became easier just to be homeless. It was instead of crashing at the house where there was people fucking doing drugs twenty four seven. It was just fuck it, I'll sleep in the bus station tonight, and then, oh, I'll sleep under this bridge tonight, or, oh, I'll, I'll sleep here tonight, and it just, that just became my, that just became my MO, it was just easier to avoid the problems than confront the problems, I spent a long time running, and that's when I started selling um, anything under the sun, cocaine was a big one, because everyone was buying it, so I was going into the Cowboys, I was going into uh, Roadhouse, I was going into, um, what was that one on 10th Avenue there? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, there's like, there was just so many, right? Yeah. So I had all the right connections. Mm-hmm. I was let in. The young little 15-year-old kid who doesn't look like anything, so nobody's nobody's looking at him in that way, and he's the guy who's supplying all the product for the night. So, and then, and then you're just like, well, I need to stay awake. So then you start using more and more and more, and I was up to anywhere from 5 to 10 grams just to keep going. Mm-hmm. Of just blow. Um, tried heroin a couple of times, and I liked it way too much, so I knew to stay away from it. But the, the problem with cocaine is you need to wake up. You need to keep going. Then you can't sleep. Then when you find sleep and then you wake up, you need to get going again. Mm-hmm. And it's just that re- just that repetitive cycle of just, just running and running. Um, so that was from 15 till about 19. 
Uh, at 17, I had met Joe, and he let me sweep the floors in his shop on the weekends and kind of, like, taught me the way of the trade. And then at 19, I got a job there. And uh, his wife was actually a police officer for the uh, for the Calgary Police, mm -hmm. and he informed me that I have one of two choices, quit or probably get arrested, because mm -hmm. she, she was aware of who I was. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just a really big wake-up call that day, uh, like, the whole world just came crashing down on me. I went home, handed back all the product, handed back the money, walked out and started working as an auto body technician. That was the first time from 15 that I was not using, but I would not consider myself sober. Mm -hmm. I actually only just consider myself sober as of June 2nd this, uh, this past year. Oh, okay. That's the first time I can actually say I am sober and no longer have a desire to use narcotics whatsoever. Um, just, yeah, that was a long, long journey there. Uh, so 19 started working for Joe and his brother and his brother and a couple of the guys that I work with, they were always just super belittling towards me, but I had come through my life accustomed to always being talked down to and never standing up for myself. Right. It's just easier to avoid and just say, yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, sir. May I have another, sir. Um, Joe, Joe took me under his wing as like a big brother. And he mentored me. He helped me kind of like learn how to make a budget. He learned. He taught me how to uh, how to actually kind of go through life as a functioning member of society, versus just avoiding each day, going home to get high and hanging out with people who really don't give a shit whether you live or die. So he was a huge, huge impact for me. Um, I worked for him for five years. I learned to speak uh, some Italian. And I could hold a steady conversation when I worked there. And then one day I had uh, I'd gone to BC. Um, I'd actually gone down to drive to the States to look at becoming, uh, I wanted to join the, uh, the US Army and uh, go Army Ranger. That was a huge, huge job for me. I've always loved the military. It's a huge passion just to be able to self-sacrifice, right? Give yourself to something far greater than yourself. So you can actually give back to people who don't even know they need help, right? Like, yeah. I have a huge problem with people who belittle human beings, mm -hmm. uh, downplay humans, male or female. I have a huge issue with people who are willing to sexually offend, mm -hmm. right, against women and children. I mean, I was raped at seven um, by my neighbor's daughter. Um, didn't really know. Mm -hmm. um, that was a, that was a long long time but that's well, that slowly, sticks, man. yeah it's slowly i've had a, i've had a lot of problems uh sexually in my entire life with women mm -hmm. um just because that that experience i thought at one point i was gay turns out i'm not just really low sex drive yeah so that's okay um so never really never really been a chaser of women just kind of roll with the punches but uh i'd gone to bc went down to the states looked at the paperwork it was going to cost me ten thousand dollars to get a lawyer to get the green card or actually just to get a visa and that was no guarantee of getting the green card for another 10 years so i had written that that option off i was like there's really no point and i mean by that point i would have been 42 and then the military won't even look at you and worst case scenario so then i started looking at my options here in canada looked at applying for the canadian armed forces um wasn't really sure I wanted to do that. Um, went back to work at the shop, and uh, the brother, Nick, uh, I accidentally scratched a freshly painted bumper, 
right? Like it was just like how I put it on the rack and then the other bumper kind of just fell on it and just kind of like just a very light scuff, right? Like no big deal, right? 10 minutes, let it finish setting the next day, polish it out, like no problem. And he just lost his shit on me for about 20 minutes. And as at that point, I decided to quit. I was like, fuck this. I am not made to be talked down to. I am a human being. I have rights. I have respect that's due to me because I give you respect. So I walked in the next morning and I quit. I said, here's my letter of resignation. Have a great life. Ciao. Um, so Joe was, uh, Joe was sad to see me go. Nick just called me a drug addict every day. So, yeah. I mean, rightfully so. I still technically would have classed myself as a drug addict, but I wasn't using at that time. Uh, and I started working for PepsiCo Beverages uh, as a sales rep. And I was making good money. I was making close to six grand a month yeah. selling pop. Wow. So like, it was easy gig. Super easy gig. Um, you go from store to store, they give you a list. You go there, you sell them the pop, dress up the shelves, put the product on the shelf, and away you go to the next store. And I was doing anywhere from 10 to 18 hours a day, yeah. just grinding. But, I mean, it was giving me good paychecks, yeah. so it was worth it. I uh, kept, kept that hustle up. Uh, bought a car because I was like, I need a reliable car because I was going out to uh, uh, Banff, not Banff, uh, Canmore and Brooks on a regular basis. And okay. that's a big drive, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that if I broke down, right, like my car was going to get fixed, I'd have a vehicle in the meantime. Like I wasn't going to have to stress. Mm-hmm. So bought that car. And literally three months after I bought that car, the company restructured its formatting. And you now need to have a degree in order to sell pop. Like, yeah, that's really? exactly what I said. You need a degree to sell pop. Are you are you fucking kidding what me? What kind of degree do they make? You get? Any degree. Really? They didn't care as long as you were. So, <clears throat> especially with a, a large corporation like Pepsi, right? Degrees mean one thing to any large corporation. Debt. And debt to a corporation means enslavement. Mm-hmm. If you're owing anybody $40,000 for an education, it means you will do whatever you're told to do whenever you're told to do it. Mm-hmm. Because if you lose your job, you can't pay your bills. And then you're hooped. So they restructured it. And I went from making close to six grand on average a month to like just breaking, just breaking two. Like mm-hmm. Just. And like my car payment was 400 bucks. My insurance was 300 bucks. My rent was $1,200. I had three dogs. I had a girlfriend. She was unemployed. God love that human being. She was a special human being. She, 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 she's a good human. She's just, she's always looking for somebody to take care of her. She's not ready to be an adult. She's always passing the buck off. I mean, I think we all went through that at one point in our life where we were just... It's not my fault. It's not my yeah. fault that this is happening. It's society's fault. It's it's that person's fault. It's it's the it's like I mean I did that for countless years. That's why I was using. Yeah. Right? It wasn't yeah. my fault that I was using. It wasn't my fault that I was depressed. It was it's the like system. Else's yeah. yeah. Oh, it was cancers. Oh, it was my dad beating the shit out of me. It was my mom not leaving him. It was my teachers who failed me, mm-hmm. right? Or who passed me through because they didn't want to deal with me anymore. Right? Yeah. It was the police officer who arrested me for calling him a pig. Like, it was his fault that I was using. Like, no. Like, fuck no. Man up. You are 100% responsible for everything that goes on in your life. You made a decision. Every decision has a repercussion, good or bad. Own it. So, again, God love her, but she'll wake up one day. Um, so, she was jobless. 
and then we were i was living on two credit cards basically yeah i maxed those guys out within three months and i was like you have to get a job this is horseshit um so then she went and got a part-time job at a liquor store hated it every minute of it would bitch and moan and i mean i'm slaving away now twice as hard and now pepsi won't pay overtime and now they're not paying overtime but they still expect all your stores to be 100 percent merchandised mm. and so you're doing 14 hour days easy pulling 2,000 pound pallets around grocery mm. stores i actually had plantar fasciitis that flared up really bad one day when i was doing that and i couldn't walk mm-hmm. And I, I broke down one of the first times I cried since cancer. I broke down that day and cried in the back for about a half hour and told myself that no one's going to take care of me but me. Mm-hmm. So I got to find a way to shut up, suck it up, and get the work done. Mm-hmm. So I went and busted my ass. That was a painful day. And I had three dogs at that time, too. So I still had to go home and walk them for an hour and a half. <laughs> that was a painful day. Oh, man, I miss those dogs. If you ever need a friend... Just get a dog. People are so unreliable, man. Dogs, though. <laughs> doesn't matter if you lock them in your trunk. There's actually a really cool, uh, it was a joke that was going around for a long time on uh, Facebook. It was, if you lock your wife and your dog in your trunk and you come back an hour later, one of them will still love you. Yeah. Right? And that's a dog. It doesn't matter what you do to them. Mm-hmm. They are unconditionally, they are yours. Yeah. There's a bond that cannot be broken. And I had that with my girl Pixie. She, uh, me and her, she was a dog version of me rebellious didn't take shit stood her ground would fight and just was a happy happiest dog i've ever met but once that line crossed she bared those teeth and went to work so god love her for that and then three-ish years ago i put in uh i put in my paperwork to join the canadian armed forces and everything was going right and they loved me they wanted me they're like you're the ideal candidate this is perfect so i was like okay awesome got rid of my dogs Broke up with my girlfriend, moved out, looked at selling everything I owned, got rid of everything but my car until the day I was going to get shipped out. And uh, because of my medical history, uh, I have a brain cyst on the left front parietal lobe. Mm. I've had documented eight concussions, Mm -hmm. undocumented another 22. Mm. So it's just scar tissue from countless fights. Yeah. knocking my head around just being a stupid idiot um but uh so they wanted my neurosurgeon to send off the paperwork and it took him six months and he didn't do it and so i got denied entry into the canadian armed forces and i was like hey what is the process for me to get you the paperwork so i can get accepted he's like because you were medically denied you have less than 50 percent chance so i wouldn't even bother if i were you i was like well fuck me mm-hmm. Right. And as a shaft. Man. Yeah. And at that point, I had gone back to Auto Body and I did three years working at Continental Auto Body. And yeah, and I hated every second of that job. Yeah. Didn't sound like that was for you. No. Well, this guy, I have nothing against people as people. They are who they are. But he, he wanted Ferrari quality work done on Honda Civic quality time. And you, I'm sorry, those two things don't go. If you want Ferrari, you're looking at double time. If you want Honda Civic, you're looking at 10 minutes, mm-hmm. right? And we were working on high-end cars, like high-end BMWs, mm-hmm. high-end Mercedes. We had Aston Martins. We had a contract to the Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. We had we had a lot of good contracts, but he just asked you to just keep pumping like, like it was a freaking Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. And I, 
if I'm going to do a job, just the person I am, mm-hmm. I'm going to give 110%. I will not slide. Even if I hate every second of it, mm-hmm. I will only give my very best. And so we had a disagreement about me taking too much time. I lost my shit on him. I was like, you're a human, special human being. <laughs> <clears throat> so the next day I showed up and I got fired at lunch. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was. You were expecting. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. He was nice though. He gave me, he gave me a month, uh, a month salary paid out in full. He said, if you need a reference anywhere, you're like, you're a good worker. Mm-hmm. You know your shit. Like you can work fast. Like tell him I will give you a good reference. I was like, oh, thanks, man. So like again, like I don't have anything bad against the guy. It's just he wanted one thing, but he wanted it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually was offered a job at World Health, uh, North Hill Mall. Mm-hmm. I never applied. Really? I did not put an how, application how did that work? in. How'd you get offered? Uh, the fitness manager Doreen. Um, she had wanted me to work for her for a little bit. And I like poke jokes at like coming to work for her, and like I just didn't have the cash at the time to go get the certification. It was an eight hundred dollar cert. And I was like, sorry, I can't do that. And she wanted me to work for her so bad. I literally remember showing up. Like, it was like the third day of being unemployed, and this is the first time in my life I've never had a job like to fall back onto, mm-hmm. which is super rare. I've always worked like two or three jobs at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm just hundred percent go 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 go. Came in one day, she pulls me into her office, and she's like, sign these papers. I was like, what the fuck are these papers? She's like, just sign them. I was like, okay, sign them, whatever. She's like, you work for me now. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, "Uh, okay. I was like, I'm not a trainer, though. She's like, don't worry, I'm getting the World Health to cover the cost. We're going to pay for you to become a personal trainer. So that was cool. I was like, like, fuck yeah, this is Mm -hmm. dope. Um, and I have a reading problem. If I can't hear mm-hmm. what I'm reading, I have no idea what I'm reading oh, okay. at all. And when you have to take tests, I fail every test I write. Okay. I've never passed a test without a reader. Really? In my entire life. Because I can't hear it. Wow. I can't process written word. Is there a name for that? or? I mean, not that I'm... No, I, I don't know. But... I was diagnosed with dyslexia, but I just think yeah. that's just the doctors passing off. I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So that's they just, probably don't know what to call it. No. Jeez. Diagnosis, from what I've learned from going through the hospital system, they want to diagnose you and they want you to be mm-hmm. sick. They want you to have something. Because if you have something, you're a patient for life. Mm-hmm. And then you're just a piggy bank. Yeah. You just keep pouring money into the freaking system. Like... I'm the biggest proprietor for cancer research and mm-hmm. donating to cancer research. Have I ever donated a dollar to a cancer fund? Fuck no. Mm. So if you actually look into any research funding, um, those run a marathon, you know, for cancer, breast cancer, God love them. I love the people who do it. Respect to you. If you actually look into the fine print, 95% of every dollar you give them goes to administration fees. Oh, wow. So they're administrators and stuff. There's no administrators. Oh, it's wow. a piggy bank, man. So they raise billions, trillions of dollars a year, cancer research worldwide. Why do you think the CEOs of these non-for-profit companies drive Lamborghinis, drive Bugattis, live in mansions, mm-hmm. have private airplanes? You really like, there's a cure for cancer. But if you cure cancer, you lose your billion dollar industry. So do you, do you believe that? Oh, like, I've I've looked into it. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm asking because you. Are oh, there's a no, events. there's a there's a cure. There is yeah. hands down, there's a cure. The amount of research that they have done, mm-hmm. 
they've found out how to take the common cold, rewrite its genetics so it'll actually go in and target cancer cells. They can do that with the uh, HIV. They can use like AIDS to go in. It won't. You won't actually get AIDS, but they can take the AIDS virus, implement it into your system, and then it'll go in and it'll kill all the cancer cells in your body. Wow. It'll live in your body, so you'll have it, mm-hmm. but you won't actually be. Uh, you won't actually have any symptoms. It won't of AIDS. actually show up. Yeah, and like it. you won't pass AIDS on to somebody else. Right. Once it's done its job, it dies. So how do they do that? Genetic rewiring. Okay. So uh, like CRISPR, is that what we're talking about? That I don't actually know if it's called CRISPR. Well, there's this thing. This uh, you know anything about CRISPR? It, it, basically, they can re they can rewrite DNA. Yeah. Yeah. The so Canadians are actually working right now uh, on the private sector to infuse gecko DNA with human DNA. Really? Yeah, so it's do, they're doing it through the private sector for the military application. Mm-hmm. The U.S. is paying for it. So what they want to do is they spend close to, just to get a basic soldier trained up, $300,000. Yeah. Now you have a Navy SEAL. You have an Army Ranger. You have a Green Beret. You have a Delta Force operator. Mm-hmm. You have JSOC. You have MARSOC. Right? You name it. Do they really want to waste a billion-dollar asset because he got his arm blown off? Mm-hmm. And do they want to train up Joe Blow and have to, who has no combat experience, who doesn't understand how to read the situation or the environment, mm-hmm. hope to God he goes in, deploys, and can adapt really fast. Do they really want to do that? No. They want to infuse the DNA so the guy can grow back his leg, get right back out on the bench. That's it. It's time to go to work. What the fuck? Yeah. The Americans <laughs> are right now paying Canadian scientists to develop a brand new camouflage. It, um, you guys remember watching G.I. Joe? Yeah. So you know that, that chick she puts on that whole suit? And then she turns it on and like she goes invisible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Predator technology. Yeah. It takes the image behind you and reflects it in front of you. Yeah. Canadians are right now working on adapting that for the American military. Well, because they're doing that for uh, yeah. um, the cloaking device, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I heard about that. It takes your ghillie suit to a brand new level. No doubt. You don't have to spend. So, guys who build ghillie suits, they'll spend upwards of 10 hours building the ghillie suit mm-hmm. specifically for the environment that they're going to. Yeah. And if they get dropped in and there's no freaking bush mm-hmm. they're humped yeah so if you can just press a button and boom you're good to go you blend in with whatever environment you're in nobody can see you or your Jeez. weapon boom any idea how close they are to getting that done because i've heard about the projection like projecting yep. what's behind in front yep. so that nobody can see you but honestly if they were to figure that out tomorrow nobody mm-hmm. would know it would go yeah, ghost Right, like same thing with the uh, the the, uh, the gecko DNA. Like the moment mm-hmm. they figure it out, they're not going to go around. They're not going to offer it to a cancer patient, yeah. unless that cancer patient's willing to spend millions of dollars to have their leg regrown. Like I've watched countless people get their limbs cut off because of cancer, bone yeah. cancer. Like just yeah. sorry, we got to take your arm, we got to mm-hmm. take your leg. Right, like I knew a guy. He got his leg cut off uh, six inches from the hip. I knew a kid who got it cut off. Four inches beneath the knee, a kid who got it cut off eight inches above the knee. I got one guy who got his hip completely removed. Mm-hmm. It's all bionic now, all from cancer. Jeez. So, I mean, like, this stuff that they're, they're working on, I think it's beautiful. I think it, it should be given to the people who need it, not mm-hmm. charged, given to the people. Because if that person doesn't need a prosthetic leg, well, there goes a billion-dollar industry again. But now that person can actually actively contribute to society instead mm-hmm. of, oh, well, I need... I need H. I need disability. Yeah. I need a, you know, like now they can actually just go on with their functional life. Like, mm. oh, sorry, you lost your arm? Here. Give it six months. Yeah. You'll have a new arm. You'll just have to retrain it. You'll be good to go. 
So this, so this technology will probably be kind of like, um, <clears throat> like Tesla cars, right? They're available yeah. for people who have enough money. Yeah. And that's it. Well, the Tesla car is actually a lot more affordable now. You can get yeah. your base model Tesla now for seventy grand. Okay. Whereas when they first came out, they were two hundred. Yeah. So the more they do it, the yeah, better. Yeah, they're gradually going to go down. Yeah. So it's been because how long has Tesla been around? Seven, eight years. Yeah, seven, eight years, something like that. So if you think about it, the evolution of this technology yeah. that you're talking about might take ten or fifteen yeah. years to fully develop. Right? Yeah. Or even twenty, I guess. And the guys who they want to use it first are the guys who cost them a billion dollars to create. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a. Uh, Everything goes military. <clears throat> Well, the military has the funding, yeah. especially the American military. Especially those for research. Those guys are given a blank check and told to figure out how to keep America top dog. <clears throat> yeah. One thing I respect Trump for, even though he's a fucking idiot, he did what he said he was going to do, mm. and he actually said America needs to be made great again. Mm. They're not. They're really not great anymore. Yeah. They're a bunch of war-savaged, tire-pumping dipshits. Right, and Canada has to say sorry all the time because we gotta, you know, be polite for and allow neighbors <laughs> next door. So, God, right. God love the world, but fuck. So, well, you know what they need? What the Americans need are two quiet neighbors, Mexico and Canada. They need us. Yeah. Well, we kind of just <laughs> we kind of take the distraction away because with Trudeau right now, <laughs> yeah, like, it's like true. oh, everyone's just focused on this guy. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not allowed to talk about Trudeau for a while. <laughs> That's okay, man. I don't think any of us should be allowed to. You can if you want, but I can't. Too uh, much editing for him. Uh, well, that that's a topic for a whole different day. Uh, I, I I just like politicians. I mm -hmm. think this is a radicalist opinion. I mean, I'm not an anarchist by any means. I believe that there needs to be a governing body mm -hmm. for the people who don't understand how to live in society peacefully. Mm -hmm. But it's right there in the Canadian Constitution. It's right there in the American Constitution that when the people no longer have faith in their government, mm -hmm. that they can rise up and take it back. Mm -hmm. But the, all politicians worldwide have become so good at whitewashing that piece mm -hmm. that you think you got to wait till the next election. When all they do is they make you afraid. That's exactly it. like. Yeah. Well, if I rise up, what am I gonna like? What's yeah. gonna come of it? A lot. Because if you mm -hmm. get five friends and they get five friends and they get five friends. The whole world will change. We're seeing it all across Canada, well, all across the planet, right? People standing well, yeah, up for themselves. The yellow jackets, and, yeah. Hong Kong, yeah. Makes you wonder about the coronavirus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of people that don't even wonder about it, right? They kind of like the I don't know if it's like conspiracy theories or not, but they talk about it like China developed this bug for the rest of the world, right? I like, could see that. Well, and and the reality is, none of us really know what they make in their factories. That's why, that's where. Um, all the, all the, uh, what's the shit that's killing everybody right now? There's a lot of them. No, the drug. Oh, fentanyl. Fentanyl, yeah. So that's yeah. where all the synthetic fentanyl comes from. It's from China, right? So they're yeah. making that in the same labs where they probably make everything else that they got. Oh, man. They're, they're, China, everyone buys all their electronics from China and puts it into their military equipment. Mm -hmm. So if China really wanted to, they just press the button and shut it off. Oh. Like they're just they're just biding their time. Mm -hmm. Like they are they are extremely smart individuals. They played the long game, right? Yeah, yeah. They've that, been playing the long game for how long has it been now? Forever. Cold War. Yeah, and when they've been were... playing it. They've been playing that long game since they've become a country. I think, right? Like when did they become a country though? Like a no like an idea. Ashen sovereign country. No idea. 
That's uh yeah, they I mean they're they're smart. I mean mm-hmm. communism it works for for ruling the world, but it doesn't work for making it a strong independent no. civilian. Or and, and it only really works when you can close off the outside, right? Yep. Like which they have done an extremely yeah. good job at. Yeah. Right? Like North Korea did the exact same thing. They shut the whole yep. world out from themselves. Cuba too. Yeah. Yeah, but they've started to open up their borders mm-hmm. again. So they're they're looking to kind of they realize that their economy is never going to last if they yeah. stay by themselves, especially as that little island that they are. Mm-hmm. But you know, like the world, I again, my my opinion is, fuck every politician, line them up, mm. give them a taste of their own medicine, and see how fast they change. What he's talking about is not killing them. He's talking about spanking them. Yeah. In case literally. anyone out there is wondering yeah. what we're yeah. talking about. No, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying line them up and shoot them all. Like yeah. hell no. But give that, them that's spanking. Murder, right. I I'm okay if like you rape a, a human being. You molest a child, you have mm. foregone your rights as a human being to be given a fair trial and mm. sit in prison. Get Just gone. Bye. Mm. Deal with it. But like a politician, they're just playing the game that they were brought into. It's like Monopoly. When you start yeah. playing Monopoly, right, and say the game's been going on all week and you just mm-hmm. join in, you got to learn how to play the game so you can get just as much as money and property as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's what the politicians are doing. So you were able to just take it all away from the moral and then they'd have to wake up and be like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, I got to go and work for this shit now. It's not freely handed out to me and mm-hmm. people aren't paying me to pass some stupid bill. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, <clears throat> I heard Nancy Pelosi wants to uh, have a debate in Congress about flavored tobacco in the States. Shut up. Really? Yeah. But that's a huge multi-million dollar. Energy. You know how yeah. much smoking went down when they got rid of menthol? Oh, really? Yeah. When, I had no idea. When they knocked out menthol in Canada, smoking yeah. dropped. Hmm. So, I didn't think that many people smoke menthol. Oh, but. dude, hundreds of people smoke menthol. Wow. Right? You can uh, you can buy little flavor packs now that you put inside your cigarettes, and they'll actually turn it into a f- menthol flavor. Really? Yeah. Did you know this? No. So Not that you would. You don't smoke. I actually but. quit smoking officially yeah. June 2nd. Oh, nice, man. I also, June 2nd was the day I officially stopped snorting cocaine. Nice. Congratulations. So, yeah, that's why I say I, and yeah. like, I'm over. So I had a girlfriend who was in the scene. I was bouncing at a bar. I found an easy way to make a buck mm-hmm. as a personal trainer. Not gonna lie, you don't make good money. Yeah, like I work sixty hours a week, mm-hmm. and I make twenty five hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a, it's not a lucrative business like everyone thinks it is. Yeah, there's a lot of grinding, a lot of hours that you put in that it's you a never see grind. a dollar. Yeah. yeah, like I I like when I started at World Health, I put in. I was working five a.m. to ten p.m. Mm-hmm. every day. And then I had a bartending job on the side. And then I also was uh, driving for a company called, uh, it's not Keys, please, Safer Ride. Mm-hmm. So I would drive from about 12 o'clock to 4 a.m. Yeah. Four days a week, making a little extra cash just mm-hmm. to make ends meet, right? And had a, I had a friend come into my life about October, la- yeah, no, October 2018. And I was like, mm-hmm. hey, man, I need a friend. I need somebody who's in the scene. I was bouncing, and mm-hmm. I was like, eh, what's in it for me? And so he was like, you know, I'll give you this much money. Mm-hmm. You just do this. And I was like, done. So I started running cover in the clubs that I was bouncing at. Stupid fucking idiot I was. Mm. Um, and then, oh, you know, like I can't make it to this after party. If I give you some product, can you go to the after party for me? Mm. I know everybody at the after party. Sure, why not? And then, mm. well, is it good stuff? Right. Right? And then... You do a bump with them, and mm-hmm. then you do another bump, then you do another one, mm-hmm. and my my rat cage 
That's why I say I didn't get sober until June second, yeah, two thousand and twenty. Mm-hmm. I know two thousand nineteen. That yeah. was the that was the first time I've I've ever been sober. Yeah. Um, well, good for you, man. Yeah, I hit a wall. Yeah. So tell me about it. What happened to make you think you had to quit? To quit drugs or yeah, drugs or whatever. <laughs> Nothing happened per se to make me. It was just all of a sudden, my eyes for the first time opened up. Mm. Like I've been taking accountability for my actions probably since I was 22. I was like, Hey, it's my fault. It's my mm-hmm. fault. But I didn't realize until June 2nd last year that I was not a hundred percent honest with myself, mm-hmm. that I was not taking accountability for all my fuck ups. Mm-hmm. I was still passing the buck off little. It was, yeah. it was little ones. Right. Yeah. But it's like, Somebody put a pen mark on me, mm-hmm. right? Somebody, like, and you're just passing the buck off, right? Yeah. Not realizing, like, if somebody puts a pen mark, you gave them the permission, obviously. Yeah. Right? You could have just gone and washed it off, right? Yeah. But just stupid things that you just slowly let, yeah. So, yeah. And I literally had a wake up call. I got pulled in the office with the, the general manager, the fitness manager, and the, the head of personal training for world health. And I got a talking to. Mm hmm. Um, about my my lack of performance, my oversleeping, my mm-hmm. not showing up on time for my clients, and like I, I own it. Like I was a shitty fucking employee. I was a shitty fucking trainer. Even though when I was with my clients, I gave them a hundred and ten percent. Like I go home and I research for hours on end. Mm-hmm. Oh, my client presented this. They presented that. They want this. They need this. Like I'm an encyclopedia for knowledge. Mm-hmm. If I want to learn it. I go out there and find it. Then I just pass it off to the world. Mm. Right? I share every every ounce of knowledge I can. And yeah, so I got brought into the office, and I had a girlfriend at the time. She's an amazing human being. Again, she actually gave me the ability to understand what self care was. Mm. I had no idea what self care meant. I thought grind until you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would go on. That's a grunt style, trips. though, man. Oh, I, I'm yeah. a grunt. Grunt style is gr- grind until you die. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a solid grunt. I, yeah. I built myself to be a soldier mm. and the perfect soldier. I, I will give my life mm. and I will work 24-7. Um, but she gave me the ability to understand that self-care is mm-hmm. just as important as being a grunt. Mm-hmm. So, like, God love her. She's an amazing woman. I hold no ill will against her, and I hope she has the best life. Yeah. She went to Burning Man. She came back from Burning Man. And I was sober at this point, but she wasn't. And she slept with somebody down there. And she was like, I don't love you. I can't be with you. I was like, okay, bye. Yeah. Hmm. Bye. Literally the moment she broke up with me, though, I finally had my eye-opening moment. So all my life, I wouldn't say I'm a people pleaser, mm. but I'm definitely a loyal dog. Yeah. If I say I'm going to be there, if I say I'm going to do this, I will, I will carry that right through to the mm. very last breath I have in my lungs. But I realized through doing that, I have sacrificed the one dream I've always had my whole life, hmm. being a soldier. And when she broke up with me, it was like, you know what? That's my okay then. Mm-hmm. That is higher power. Like, I don't really believe in religion. I mm-hmm. think religion's a scam. Uh, it's it's a high, huge scam. Yeah. Right? I mean, it works for people, but it is kind yeah. of a scam. But faith. Faith yeah. is one thing. I met God, I met the devil, mm-hmm. and I met death. I've met all three of them. Mm-hmm. God came to me every time I overdosed and should have died, mm-hmm. and he placed a hand on my back, and he said, be at peace. And I wake up the next day like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Death, I talked to on a fence in a hallucination that I had recurring whenever mm-hmm. I was supposed to die. 
And he asked me, what the fuck am I doing in my life? Dude wears a suit, like a nice suit. Red tie, looks real classy, mm-hmm. but we sat on a fence. And we just, we just sat on a fence and talked. Like, I cannot remember every word, but mm-hmm. I remember him asking me, what the hell am I doing in my life? And I remember the smell. It was the same smell from the hospital. Mm. It smells like death. It's, if you've ever been around a dead body, like, you yeah. know that smell. It is, it is, it's not disgusting. It's not a disgusting smell like people make it out to smell. Mm. Depends on when you fi- when and where you find the dead body, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But it, death has a smell. Yeah. It has a very pronounced, there is no longer life in this body mm-hmm. smell. And that's what he smelled like. And mm-hmm. I remember that from a dream. And then the devil lived with me for three weeks mm-hmm. in my house. I would come home to this guy and fuck, man. He would knock on my door and ask to talk to me. And Is that I, back when you were still doing cocaine? Yeah. Okay. That was just recent time. <laughs> right on. Um, but that was not hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Like I could see him as clear mm-hmm. as I see you, and yet I knew he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Or he was there. Like, oh, no. But like, we, we believe in the seen oh, yeah. and unseen, right? Yeah. So for sure. But like, I could see him as clear as I see you, yeah. but there was no one there. Yeah. Right? Like my eyes would tell me that no one was there. But your brain would see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the first time I encountered him was in my laundry room and I could see him. I was looking away out of the laundry room and I could see him looking at my back of my head. Yeah. And then I knocked on my door. He's like, hey, you want to talk? You want to have a conversation? Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck no. He's like, how come, man? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't trust you. Yeah. Right? Like. You can chalk it up to being high, but uh, no. that was that was straight like that was an epiphany moment, man. Like I'm I was not like, chalking it up to nothing. The reality that was is that fucked up. Yeah, sometimes that shit happens. That was yeah, that was some. But it's funny when every time one of these incidences happen in my life, an an alteration follows suit, mm-hmm. and it's and it's never just like you get sober. It's never something as simple as like mm. you wake up on time or. You know, you make that extra 500 bucks, you need to mm-hmm. get your tooth pulled. It, yeah. It's always been like, all of a sudden life just comes at me like a mm-hmm. two by four and just cracks me upside the head. And it's like, hey, good morning. Mm-hmm. And so Martina broke up with me and I was like, holy shit. And from that moment on, I made the decision to leave Canada. I'm leaving April 23rd. Are you? Uh, my flight's at 7 a.m. Where are you going? I am going to Paris, France. I am joining the Légion Entranger Français. No, you're not. Yeah, we. Oui. You're, join, you're joining the Légionnaires. I'm joining the French Foreign Legion. Fucking A, dude. So I am I am hopping over the pond, yeah. and I am going to go follow. I've always wanted to join the Legion. Yeah. So I always wanted to go through either the Americans or the Canadians, get military experience, and then go. Mm. That was always a goal. It's always been, but... The higher powers that may be out there and mm-hmm. that I've worked in my life, I said, no, man, you got to wake the fuck up first. Shit. So everything that's ever happened has made me more aware, more conscientious, better communicator, more intellectually able to problem solve mm-hmm. versus just like hitting it with a fucking hammer. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, There's two types of men in this world. There's a hammer and an anvil, and mm-hmm. I've always been a hammer. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's okay to be the anvil. Mm-hmm. It's okay to let this stuff hit you, and then you help form the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've I've made that call. Um, um, I'm I'm hoping for North Africa because I get marksman's training. Yeah. 
If I go to South America, I get jungle warfare. And if I go to northern France, I get demolitions and rock climbing. Cool. So I want to go to North Africa. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a, the biggest, happiest, scariest, terrifying aspect of life that oh, shit. anyone can ever face. Um, so my training has taken a whole new, new aspect. Has it been new or is this exactly where you're supposed to be, man? This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. The, you, I mean, it sounds <clears throat> like you're supposed to be a soldier, right? Like, oh, God, God, higher power of the universe made me mm. able to stand on my own two feet in the worst possible circumstances at that time in my life and not ever give up mm. an inch. Like, I will walk a thousand miles to avoid a fight, but if mm. I get put in a corner, the bear yeah. comes out. Yeah. The wolf, whatever you want to call it, that, that dark side every man, every woman actually has inside mm-hmm. of them but we're all too afraid to use. I was taught that mm-hmm. it's okay a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, I'm so grateful for every lesson. I'm so grateful for every hardship. I am so grateful for every disappointment. They have all been the gift that I needed mm-hmm. in order to understand who I really am. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I don't yet fully know, and that's one thing I think the Legionnaires will really help me with, is understanding that next level of myself that, mm. you know, you're going to come face to face. Like once that round cracks past your head, mm-hmm. you're going to find out what you're made of real fast. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I've spent my whole life wanting to, wanting to soldier. Like, I don't, I don't remember a day I didn't want a soldier. Mm-hmm. I, it's just ingrained in my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, congratulations, yeah, man. man. So that's a, that's a huge win for me. So. I'm uh, I'm like whole oh, like I'm seven weeks out right now. Wow, that's gonna go fast too, man. Oh yeah, man. Yesterday it seemed like it yeah. was twelve weeks. Today, it's, yeah. oh man, like <laughs> it just the time is just speeding up. And I bet it is. Um, yeah, but this that's is, exciting. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've always been a recluse individual uh, by choice. Mm. Um, you guys saw Good Will Hunting, right? That was a great movie. Yeah. So you know, it's been a while, but yeah, but you know that how he's always said like. He's like, if I push people away before they get close, it's because they can't hurt me then, mm-hmm. right? And that's the motto I live my life by. Mm. I pushed everybody away before they were able to become a friend, mm-hmm. before they could become a resemblance of my family. Mm-hmm. So I was always alone. It's a really lonely path of life I lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely lived solitude, loneliness, and I sat with my depression on a countless night. Mm-hmm and wanted to end my life. There's been countless times where I have attempted. One time last year, I was like, how much cocaine would it take to stop my heart? Mm-hmm. And I had 20 grams. Jesus. I only got through 10 before yeah. I passed out. Yeah. So Jeez. usually you don't pass out, but. You usually so, die. Yeah, so I, I every time I should have died, I've had this hallucination. Every time I should have died. So I sit on a fence just your regular fence that divides houses. Nothing special about it. On mm-hmm. one side of that fence is big blue skies, big white fluffy clouds, like cartoon style, like the flat mm-hmm. bombs with like the big yeah. rings. P-51 Mustangs, like World War II fighters mm-hmm. and teddy bears, like big brown teddy bears of every color, <laughs> right? Like cheesy shit. Like yeah. j- that's, that's the, the happy side. Mm-hmm. You look on the other side of the fence, and it is the darkest, most chaotic, mm-hmm. terrifying, gut wrenching land you will ever see in your life. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm like getting like huge chills every time I think about it. It's full of ash, volcanoes, lava. There's creatures in the air. There's creatures on the ground. And they're just fucking full steam coming Mm -hmm. at you. And they just, oh man, I can't describe what they look like. Mm. There's wings, there's fangs, there's claws, there's mouths, there's no mouths, there's eyes. Like, what do you do to move through that stuff when you're when you're faced with it? Nothing. Yeah. You sit on the fence, and every time I'm I'm ready to die. Mm. One of the times I should have died, I had that conversation with death. But every time, every time a hand comes over me place in the middle of my back and I hear the exact same voice and it says Jeff be at peace Mm. and I'm out gone like a light and I wake up 100% fine wow that's a lot of uh yeah you okay yeah I'm good man it's just like I don't really I don't really like talking about that I like Mm -hmm. I keep a lot of my shit to myself for sure. So, I mean, if I seem like I'm jumping all over the place, it's because I've never actually tried to tell my story. I try. You're doing fine, man. You're great. Yeah. With with my work, um, with people I meet, um, I always try to give them a tidbit of my story mm-hmm. to show them that if I can overcome it, because mm-hmm. I always talk about myself as if I'm nothing special, mm-hmm. as if I'm the lowest of the low. And if I can overcome something, mm-hmm. and I always build them up to be this amazing human being, how I talk about them mm-hmm. to themselves. And I'm like, if I can do this, then so can you, mm-hmm. right? Like, I read this quote the other day, and it's like, the strongest people are those who are going through depression, still find the ability to give a motivational talk to somebody who mm-hmm. needs it. And like, that one has really just started popping up everywhere I look. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's been me for the last fucking 12 years. Mm-hmm. Like I've been ready to die. I've been ready to commit suicide. I've been ready to run. Mm-hmm. And I always find the person who needs that, that little story. And I yeah. gave them a little, little tidbit of my life, put a smile on their face. And it gave me a little, a little more mm-hmm. reassurance that I can keep going. Cause I mean, I mean, especially like, you know, when you go through shit, like mm-hmm. as you were saying before we started, like when you go through shit, like some days you just, you you just, you got nothing fucking left. Yeah. But for some reason, just helping somebody for that mm-hmm. half second, <clears throat> making somebody laugh, making somebody smile. It gives you just that, mm-hmm. it just puts that little drop of gasoline in your tank that you need. It sure does. And it just, and it helps you just keep going because... I mean, with, without seeing somebody smile, it's like, well, maybe that's what I'm here for, right? Maybe I'm supposed to make people smile, right? And like, that's that's the hard that's the hard shit of life. That, you know, nobody ever wants to talk about their sadness. Nobody ever wants to talk about their depression. And that's one thing I strongly hate about social media. Mm-hmm. I can't stand social media actually, because everybody puts their highlight reel mm-hmm. on social media, right? But nobody puts their failures. Mm-hmm. Nobody puts their bad days. Nobody puts, you know, them lying in bed, crying, bawling because they're alone and they're sad and they're depressed. Nobody mm-hmm. puts that shit. So when Sally or Joe goes through Instagram or Facebook, they compare their shit real to that person's mm-hmm. highlight reel. Yeah. Like there was a study that was done that today's generation is ex- is exposed to more depression and uh, negative um, input mm-hmm. than any generation prior mm-hmm. 
because we live on these stupid yeah. cell phones, right? Constantly stimulated. Right? And like everyone's constantly beating themselves down because, well, he just took a trip to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. She just took a trip to Mexico. Why can't I do that? Yeah. Right? And it just it just builds this image in I people's could, And heads. I could tell you, you're right, because I have yeah. clients I work with as a social worker, right? Yeah. Like, that, this is a real part of the reality of today. Yeah. Is that they, people actually are worried about it. Yeah. Like they're worried that their life isn't as good as so so and so's on yeah. on Instagram, right? As though that's the real their their real life. Yeah, you know, like I face that just like you do. Like yeah, my clients see everyone's success when they get they lose weight when they hit that PR the deadlift six months snatch, later or whatever, right? Right, yeah. but they don't show the failures, right? Like mm-hmm. I film a lot of my failures, right? I don't really try to post a lot of stuff on mm-hmm. social media, right? I'm not really very good at posting as a personal trainer. It's probably not a good thing. Because that's how you build your business, right? Yeah, fair enough. But I, I always show my clients my failures. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I did this lift and I missed it. Yeah. Look, I did this lift and I missed it. Or I did this and I failed. Mm-hmm. Or I did this and I had to stop because my body said no. Yeah. Or I did this and I couldn't complete as fast as I did last time. Mm-hmm. And just to just give people, like, just because I look yeah. a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Like, it doesn't mean I'm perfect, right? Like, like I'm pretty fit human being right i compete mm-hmm. in crossfit i won my last competition i placed fifth in the one before that i placed seventh in the last one i did before that mm-hmm. right it's like i'm not exactly like low tier right mm-hmm. but people see like they see like oh you have abs they see you have muscular definition so mm-hmm. they just assume you're this god that never fucking fails mm-hmm. it's like i fail 10 times more than anybody else has that's why I'm able to have the success it's like I think it was Oprah Winfrey who said, he's like, she's like, I think it was her anyways. She's like, the reason why I'm as successful as I am is because I failed 10,000 times more than you're willing to try. Mm-hmm. And that's right? the reality. Right? I mean, yeah. and like she came through the world, like she came up during the time of racism, mm-hmm. right? She came up through the time of sexism. Mm-hmm. And now she's one of the biggest names in the world to this day, mm-hmm. right? It's like, if you want success and if, it doesn't matter if it's in fitness. It doesn't matter if it's in health. It doesn't matter if it's in finances. It doesn't matter if it's in business. It doesn't matter if it's in a relationship. If you want any form of success in your life, you have to be willing to fail. Mm-hmm. Eat shit. Sleep in the mud. Crawl when you can't walk anymore. Right? And if you mm-hmm. can't crawl, start rolling on your side. Right? Find mm-hmm. somewhere to keep moving. And you will succeed. You just Most people, they hit that little wall of resistance. It happens to be five feet tall, and they can only jump three feet. Well, use your fucking arms and pull, right? Like, Mm -hmm. success in, like, any aspect of life. It doesn't matter. If you want it, you'll get it. I mean, like, when I first met you at the Mm -hmm. gym, you were always doing cardio. You were walking around with a cane. Mm -hmm. You weren't lifting weights, and I asked you why. And you're like, well, I had this huge freaking injury. I'm not allowed to actually use weight, so I come in here so I can actually do cardio because it's fucking cold outside. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. No idea, right, as to who you were or what you were mm. with your life. And I like just hearing that, I was like, holy shit. Right? And now look at you like over the last like three months I've seen you in there and like doing mm. your lap pull downs, yeah. doing bicep curls, doing some bench press, right? Like but you stuck with that grind mm-hmm. through all that shit. Like that was three years ago I saw you. Yep. And now look at you three years later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't get in shape fucking overnight like Still everybody. Still just ugly as ever, but. Ah, I think I think you're pretty good looking. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. The beard, the beard helps, man. If you can grow a beard, you're hot. That's fair. That's, that's the way. Fair. That's the way the world works now, right? That's right. 
But it's like, yeah, man, like three years ago, man, like mm-hmm. you looked like you were just going to always be on cardio. And now look mm-hmm. at you, right? Like That's how I felt two, three years ago too. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. But you stuck with the pain. Mm-hmm. You stuck with the work. You put it in. Now you're back at lifting weights, mm-hmm. right? Like I have so many people. You probably have the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. With, as a social worker, people come in and they're like, this is my problem. Fix it. Mm-hmm. And then a week later goes by, well, why is my problem fixed? Yeah. Well, what'd you do to fix your problem? Mm-hmm. I'm here to help yeah. guide you on a solution. It's like when you go to the doctor, nobody questions a doctor for some reason or a massage therapist. Unless they've had some bad ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I question them. So. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. trust a doctor as far yeah. as I can throw them. But like your general person, like your general population. Yeah. You're right. They walk in, the doctor says, take this, call me in two weeks, mm-hmm. and we'll try something different. Yeah. You go to a massage therapist, they're like, come back and see me every week for the next three months. Mm-hmm. Nobody questions that. But when it comes to your actual mental health, mm-hmm. your physical health, your emotional health, your financial health, it's like it's supposed to work mm-hmm. in a week because you start a new job and you're supposed to be a millionaire tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You start going to the gym, but you didn't change your diet. You don't understand the difference between muscular endurance and cardiovascular endurance. Mm-hmm. So you do an hour and a half of treadmill you spend five minutes lifting weights and you expect to be jacked and toned, <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry, but that's mm. not society. But yet when we go to a doctor or massage therapist, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, easy, quick fix. Here's a pill. You got that right. You've got some professions that are literally, they'll, you will do what they tell you regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, it's like uh, PhD, <clears throat> PhD speakers and stuff like that, yeah. right? Like they're, people are way more likely to believe a doctor yeah quote unquote 100 percent, as opposed to someone who might actually know how the true application looks and what happens from that application yeah right like you got doctors selling this keto diet uh (laughs) you know what keto is you guys ever heard of the paleo diet yeah did you guys ever hear of the atkins diet it's a rebrand yeah so it's they literally just slapped a new sticker on the same bag and sold it to you. For that's what it the sounded price. like the first time I heard it. To be honest with yeah. you, that's why I never got into it. It yeah. was like, 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 why the f- like? But everyone wants that <laughs> stupid, quick fix. Of course, like nobody wants. But I mean, that's the society we live in. Mm-hmm. Is like, oh, I have a credit card. I don't have to earn five grand and then go buy that freaking mm-hmm. TV car I want. I can just swipe, mm-hmm. right? Like. Smartest invention for the bank was a credit card. Yep. Worst invention for mankind's fucking motivation. Credit card. Yeah. Right? Like, like how many people go home at the end of the night and they're like, I got some clients and they're just like, I'm always tight in my hips. I, I can't get mobile through my thoracic spine. I'm doing the mobility you're doing me. Every time I come into the gym, I'm like, how many times did you come in this week? Oh, two. Mm-hmm. How many times did you do mobility? Two. Mm-hmm. What do you do at the end of the night? Oh, I go and watch Netflix for three hours. Yeah. Grab a fucking foam roller, sit on the floor and roll. Mm-hmm. Stretch. I don't care. As long as you do something. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, people don't understand. Like, my workout day, mm-hmm. like, for me to start my workout is an hour of mobility. Mm-hmm. One hour of mobility. I just got a, a partially separated hip mm-hmm. hammered back in. Two, three weeks before I competed in December. Mm-hmm. I competed at Can West last year on a partially separated hip. So Can West is like the largest Western CrossFit. Okay. Right? We took seventh. Nice. Not bad. Competed at Curry Barracks with a fresh hip after only being able to train properly for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I took seventh. Mm-hmm. No, I took fifth. Yeah, fifth. 
was it fifth or was it? I don't. Know. I think it was it was fifth or seventh. I'm gonna believe you, whatever you tell me. Well, I don't. I don't like to lie. So one <laughs> no. thing I try to hold myself. I don't think you're lying. I. We all forget uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I had a problem, a long time ago, where if it was coming out of my mouth, it was a hundred percent horse shit. Mm-hmm. Right. But I can relate to that. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're in the world of addiction. Yeah. And like somebody comes up and asks you a question, you're gonna spew whatever the fuck you think they want to hear. Just to get out of there. Yeah. yeah. Just so you're like, here's your answer. Ciao. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the cops ask you a question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you're just having a regular conversation because you lie so much. You yeah. find you're you're making stories up about your life that don't even exist. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why did I do that? And then yeah. you got to remember the fucking lie. Mm-hmm. And that's like lying is a burden. And that, people don't that realize that was the worst that. of it. Yeah. Like. The amount of shit you have to remember in order to keep your shit straight. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just tell the truth, yeah, people can make whatever assumption they want of you and it yeah. doesn't make a fucking difference. Yeah, because right? there's no bubble to burst, right? No. You've already told the truth. It doesn't yeah, like, matter. Yeah. I'm a fuck up. I made mistakes. What's up? <laughs> right? Like And that's one thing I've always tried to try to do, because Joey, mm-hmm. he's actually the guy who caught me in my biggest lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that man was there for a lot of <laughs> shit. Caught me in my biggest lie of my life. I was, I had taken a person's car with consent, smashed the fuck out of it, mm-hmm. lied to the person whose car I took about how I got smashed, mm-hmm. then lied to him, my Joe, about how I got smashed <laughs> so I could try to get it fixed mm-hmm. for cheap. And like, and it just all came in and he just called me on my shit as he always did. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, fuck you, Jeff. And I was like, and he's like, you lost my trust. Yeah. And like the moment you lose someone's trust, mm-hmm. it changes the way you want to be seen. Yeah. Like when someone openly says, I no longer trust the word you fucking say, yeah. something in you is like, you either like whatever. Did you say 70 minutes? Oh, okay. Oh shit, is that yeah. bad? No, we're good. Oh. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. When someone Thanks, Darcy. Uh, he just he gives me a warning, but I uh, couldn't read it. I thought it was like ten minutes. I'm like, it's been longer than ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, my life is a bullet point. I'm pretty good at that. No, you're but, doing yeah. great, man. This is fantastic. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. But yeah, when someone catches you in a lie, either you, you decide to keep lying about the lies mm-hmm. or you, you wake up. Yeah. And like like I said a little earlier, like life always hit me with a two by four mm-hmm. when it was time to wake up. Yeah. And like I'm so blessed crucifix whatever you want to the eye <laughs> spectacles testicles wallet watch thing like i could throw some water on yeah, you man. and pretend it's holy water or something i might light on fire <laughs> last time i tried to go near a church everything got really hot i started to shake um but no like like life has been the greatest gift mm. and the greatest burden and people aren't willing to suffer anymore and people need to understand that it's okay to suffer mm. Like I'm nothing special. I, I I was a lying, cheating, stealing piece of shit who'd use you if it mm-hmm. would get me an extra five dollars in my pocket. Yeah. Right. I was scum of the earth. Right. Now I see a kid walking downtown with his pants pulled beneath his ankles, and all I want to do is run up and give him a hug. Mm-hmm. Be like you got this, bro. You're okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. Like all I want. Like this is a super selfish thing for me is but like i want people to look at a human being Mm -hmm. as a human being like it doesn't matter your skin color it doesn't matter your age it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter your gender preference 
It, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't care if you're gay or a fucking mm-hmm. sex panda. I, I don't care. If you have air in your lungs, mm-hmm. blood in your veins, and a heart that beats in your chest, mm-hmm. you're a human being. As long as you respect me, I respect mm-hmm. you. Uh, Tecumseh, amazing man. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he has a poem out there. And I actually have it printed out. And it always hangs above every bed I've it's ever had. One of the had. greatest poems ever written. Yeah, yeah, amazing dude. But it, uh, one of the one of the, the phrases or one of the the sentences is, "Respect every man and his religion, but the man they respect yours." Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that if if you treat people the same way they treat you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're upset because you're belittling them. Yeah, and it's like I just want people. To look at a human being for a human being, regardless mm-hmm. of their flaws, and love them. Like racism mm-hmm. is a made-up pile of shit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter your skin color. Mm-hmm. If somebody's a shitty human being, tell them they're a shitty human being, regardless of skin color. That's not racism. That's honesty, right? I know a black dude. He's a piece of shit human being. It's not because of who he is or what mm-hmm. he does. That's the lifestyle he chose. Yeah, I got another friend, black, blacker than hell, mm-hmm. best dude I've ever met, nicest guy. Mm-hmm. He got me to go to freaking uh, NA meetings. Yep, nicest dude ever. Every time I run into him, he give me the biggest hug. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, man, right?" It just shows that skin's fucking mm-hmm. irrelevant. But what it does is it gives people in positions of power a weapon to use mm-hmm. against people with the inability to express true. Mm-hmm. Compassion, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm I'm no Einstein. I never will be. Don't want to be. Mm-hmm. But I understand a human being, mm-hmm. good or bad. Like, I hold no ill will. There was an experiment done a long time ago that if you put a rat in a cage and you lace one bottle of water with heroin and cocaine and the other bottle with just water, mm-hmm. the rat will always go to the drug bottle and I'll drink it dry until it dies of overdose. One rat in a cage. Mm -hmm. That's what we do with addicts. Mm -hmm. That's what we do with criminals. Perceived criminals, right? They committed a crime. You don't know why that crime was even committed in the first place. But we look at them and we label them as that. The same experiment was done, I'm going to say, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. What they did is they took that rat and they put it in with 15 other rats. Mm -hmm. They put one water bottle with drugs, one water bottle with water. Mm -hmm. But the rats would seldomly drink the drug water. Yeah. Right? And when they did drink it, they didn't drink it and keep going back until they died. They would take a sip, and they'd go over to the other water, and they'd hang with the other rats. They'd go and play. If we stop segregating people mm-hmm. because of their past decisions and their past mistakes, you open up society to evolve. Portugal mm-hmm. did that. Yep. Portugal was the highest drug city in, or country in the world. Mm-hmm. Their drugs, crime, everything, down 50%. You're talking about Rat City. That's the yeah. the Rat City experiment, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's odd that you mentioned it. The reason I'm talking is because Darcy posted a picture of one of the books that talks about the Rat City, which is yeah. the, uh, what's it called? Chasing the Scream. Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari. Oh, really? Yeah. One amazing book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, great. it's a great book, and he talks about that research. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the living proof. Yeah. And that's why people, and that's why I hate social media. Like, mm-hmm. it all ties together. It's like... People isolate themselves mm-hmm. in their cage of their phone. Yeah. Right? And they're staring at all the happy people on the 
through the mm-hmm. cage on the cell phone. Mm-hmm. If they put the phone down, they're less likely to do things that will harm themselves. Yeah. They're less likely to cause issues for other people in their mm-hmm. surroundings because they're not going to lash out. And if we just reached out to each other, I got a friend, she's got really bad anxiety. She calls herself an introvert. Mm-hmm. She's not an introvert at all. She just sees everyone else's happiness and doesn't mm-hmm. think she's worthy of it. So every time I see her, I make sure I hug her. Mm-hmm. I tell her I care about her. I tell her I miss her. And I tell her we need to hang out. Mm-hmm. And I always try to reach out to her. Mm-hmm. Right? If you do that to anybody who's going through a hard time, yeah. even somebody who you despise entirely, mm-hmm. you're like, I hate that person because they're a shitty person. You just tell them, hey, I care about you. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help you. Watch how fast that person's attitude changes. Night and day. Right? Yep. Yeah, it may only change towards you, but that's because you gave that person mm-hmm. the ability to feel safe and accepted for who they are as a human. Mm-hmm. Not because of their past life, not because of the way they treated or what the. Everyone says stupid shit on a daily mm-hmm. basis. You didn't judge them based on that. And so they're like, hey, mm-hmm. I can be my authentic self. And with the world as it is, everyone's trying to. Everyone's told to be an original, mm-hmm. but everyone's racing so fast to be a photocopy. Yeah, like what, what is the what is the purpose of looking like the Joneses? Mm-hmm. Like who who invented the Joneses? Well, like, the the Joneses' great 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 colonizing grandparents invented the Joneses. The yeah, Joneses. yeah, <laughs> but you know, like you don't yeah. have to have the fancy car and the fancy no. vacations and the and yeah. the the jewelry. Like you're a human, you deserve mm-hmm. the common decency of being a human. Yeah. Right, I agree. Oh, like, is there somebody else here? What it must be, we must be getting on the time there. Yeah. So I, you know yeah, what, man, I want. I'd it. like to finish it with what yeah. you just said, if that's yeah. okay. Unless you Please. have something no, else no, you want no. to add. No, no, no. That's that's why I was kind of like. Yeah, because it sounded like you were bringing it together. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, cool. Trying to show the people that, like, hey, look, like, just because you fucked up, mm-hmm. just because you were you made stupid decisions that hurt a lot of people, yeah, doesn't mean you're a bad person. I mean, I turned around. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone in my high school thought I'd be dead by 22 or in jail. I'm 28. Mm-hmm. I'm not in jail. Good show. I'm not dead. I'm going to France to pursue my lifelong passion. Dude, that is so awesome. Yeah. Like, I got to tell you, that's like su- super exciting. Eh? Yeah, man. If yeah. I, if, I, if I live and come back, I'll come say hi. You'll have to, man. Yeah, like, man. I, I've never known anyone who went and did that. Like, that's that's far out. And I've heard of them, obviously, since I was a kid. Yeah. Right? But they're... They're an amazing, outstanding group of volunteers. Yeah, who just want to be soldiers with brothers. Yeah, but yeah, man. Like, if if there's one thing that I can pass on to a single human being, it's don't judge, mm-hmm. just love. Like, I've been judged my whole life mm-hmm. by everybody because I'm unorthodox. I just keep loving on them, mm-hmm. and if they decide to hate me, that's not my problem. Yeah, because I don't go home at the end of the day thinking about how much they hate me. They go home and think, oh, man, that guy's a piece of shit. I'm on their mind wasting their energy. Mm-hmm. They're not on mine. Yeah. Right? If you got a friend who's going through shit, man, there's so many support systems. There's so many support lines out there. Mm-hmm. You can just even be the person that goes for a coffee, even if you yeah. don't want to do it because you know they're just going to repeat the same story for a thousandth time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that one thousandth and one time is the time that they get that breakthrough. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us, 
at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.